Why does Anthony Davis want out of New Orleans? Where will he go? When do the Pelicans pull the trigger? The only question left is, say it with me, you win. fans, Coach Nick here, and welcome to the B-Ball Breakdown podcast, an emergency podcast today based on the fact that Anthony Davis has requested a trade. No better person to bring in than Will Guillory, who's the Pelicans beat writer for The Athletic. So, Will, thanks for hopping on with us today. Appreciate it. Hey, I appreciate you for having me. Hey, we got it. Well, listen, emergency alarm sounds, all hell's breaking loose today. Um, I was interesting. I tweeted out yesterday on Sunday just musing about the fact that they were five and a half games out of the playoffs. Probably means with 30 games left, they're not making the playoffs. It would have been just devastating for any hope they had to keep Anthony Davis going backwards from last year. And then maybe he read my tweet, but all of a sudden this morning we find out that they say they don't want to resign, they want to trade. Um, what do we make of all of this this craziness from today? Well, yeah, first off, it, it just you have to start off with, I mean, this is – Anthony Davis' seventh year in, in New Orleans, and just like you said, there's, there's probably a close, as close to a 0% chance as you can get at this point for them making the Western Conference playoffs. And to have a guy of that caliber on your roster for seven years and, and to make it into the playoffs twice is pretty inexcusable. And one of those times they made it in, it was basically a buzzer beater against the OKC Thunder in the middle of the season that got them in a tiebreaker that barely got them in as the eighth seed. So I think this is a franchise that just – hasn't done enough throughout the years to kind of build around what may end up being, you know, one of the, the best big men of his generation. And, and it's just insane to think that uh, the way this guy has produced the way he's played and, and the team's just inability to, to put surround him with a winning roster. And it just, it's the, this is what got us to the point that we are now. And to think of where he may end up next and how that'll, you know, send shockwaves around the West, rest of the league will be super interesting. But for people down here in New Orleans that care about this team, it's a really sad day because not only are they losing AD, but it's kind of just uh, just what everybody saw coming. And it's one of those things where a lot of the Pelicans fans didn't want to believe it. They truly believe that maybe they can finally turn it around. Maybe AD really loves the city so much that he wants to see. But now that he has arrived, it's kind of hit. And now they're kind of looking off into the horizon saying, man, it, it, it might be a long time before, let alone you have a guy of AD's caliber on the roster. Just to, But to be a, a winning franchise again, it might take forever. And it's a really depressing day for everybody uh, that loves this team. Yeah, you know, I was kind of messing around on Twitter looking at some reactions, and, you know, it sounds like it's not unreasonable to think that the possibility exists that if they don't pull off this trade properly and they don't get enough fair value back, which usually doesn't happen anyway with a player this good, um, it could mean the end of the of the existence of the Pelicans in New Orleans. Like, they might end up going on a run that's terrible and they can get scooped up by, like, someone maybe even in uh, Seattle or something for a new team there. Does that Have you heard that? Yeah, I mean, uh, certainly the talk surrounding the team, uh, especially nationally. I think personally just from being around the team, I, I don't buy it as much just because I think – uh, Gail Benson, uh, she owns this, the New Orleans Saints and the New Orleans Pelicans. I think uh, I don't think she's really looking to sell the team anytime soon. I think she she enjoys owning both teams and kind of uh, carrying on the legacy of the team's uh, former late owner uh, Tom Benson. And I think that's something that he really uh, wanted her to do is kind of 
to, to continue, you know, making professional sports uh, are really a, a big thing in the city of New Orleans. They love the city so much. So I don't buy it necessarily, but I mean, I think it's tough when you're putting a team out there and, you know, they, they were bottom five in the league in attendance with Anthony Davis. So I, I think having a guy like that leave the building and potentially, you know, like you said, multiple years of them being at the bottom of the standings, you know, losing, hoping, hopefully getting guys in the draft that will develop four or five years from now, that's going to be a lot to, to ask for this fan base to continue buying in and buying tickets and going to games when they weren't really doing that in the first place. So I think it's a real uphill battle for everybody around this franchise just to keep this thing going and to be able to sell, you know, what 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 really wasn't a, a loved basketball team in the first place. I think people really enjoyed that run last year. People really loved Anthony Davis, but there was a lot of mistrust around uh, this front office and what they can do and how they've handled the Anthony Davis era and even before that, the Chris Paul era. So I think uh, just having two guys like that leave the way they did, I think it'll really leave a bad taste in a lot of people's mouth and it's going to take a long time for this team to really sell themselves to the city again and have them buy in the way they did during that playoff run last year. For, for sure. You know, I have two hot takes, um, not necessarily hot takes, but I have two things in my mind that are not going to be very popular. or One probably won't be very popular, but we're going to talk about them in order and then unpack this. So something about Anthony Davis's game for a long time has sort of left me feeling a little bit hollow. Not so much maybe like this year and the year before, but up until then, you know, he'd fill the stat sheet up like none other, no other people can do. And yet I just would come away watching his games and I wish I had more of a concrete like numbers to describe what it is. But so so that's one part of the equation that sort of makes me wonder what it is about him. But then if you look at the rosters he's played with over the course of his career, heading into his prime or he's already in the middle of his prime, I suppose, um, you know, I don't know. Is it safe to say that he has he's had probably the worst cast of uh, talent around him as of any superstar in the NBA in the modern era? Who that's a take right there. I don't I, I don't have to look back to see, but I think certainly I could tell you that he certainly has an argument for the worst set of guards to surround him uh, during his time in New Orleans, where I think Drew Holiday has been terrific these past two years, especially this year. I think that's one of the untold stories of this Pelicans team mm-hmm. is just how great Drew Holiday has been this year with all the, you know, all the talks around him and Anthony Davis. But I think uh, outside of Drew Holiday, who really hasn't reached that point uh, until he got over those injury issues that kind of plagued him his first few years in New Orleans, and when you look at some of the other guys he's played with, like a Tyreek Evans or Eric Gordon, or then you really get into the weeds with some of these guys like Tim Frazier, Norris Cole-ish Smith. I mean, it's consistently been not just average backcourt, but pretty bad backcourt yeah. playing with a guy like Anthony Davidson, where I think something you're getting to where Anthony Davis is kind of, you look at the numbers and he's similar to other superstars, but he's not really the same. I think part of that is because so much of his game is, is dependent on being set up by other people. When you look at his scoring numbers and how I think he's consistently throughout his career been over 80% of his field goals have come on assists, and that's other guys setting them up in pick-and-roll situations, lobs, you know, trail threes, that type of thing. He's not a guy that you're going to give the ball to at the end of games and have him parade his own shot to kind of close out fourth quarters. And I think if that's the case, and that's not necessarily a knock. I mean, he's certainly still a superstar. He's certainly still one of the best players in the league. But when he has, I don't want to call it a weakness, but just that part of his game where he needs other guys to set him up uh, to to surround him mm-hmm. with guards that just aren't up to par. And most of these guys, if you look at some of, most of the point guards he's played with throughout his career, most of these guys 
shouldn't even be starters, let alone, you know, getting the minutes that they were getting year in and year out next to AD. So I think uh, that's pretty much been a failure on the on the front office's part. And I think allowing some of the guys to walk that they have in the past without really getting anything in return, when you, it, even beyond the DeMarcus Cousins and Rondo thing that, that happened this past summer, which I'm sure we'll get into, but when you look back at Eric Gordon walking out the door for nothing, and now he's producing in Houston, and Ryan Anderson was a guy that left and signed with Houston for with $20 million, and the Pelicans just let him walk for nothing. And, I mean, you can just go on and on, and it's just consistently over and over again, this team making rough moves and then trying to make up for it by trading future assets, which hinders them down the line. And now you see this roster where Anthony Davis is on his way out the door, and there aren't any first-round picks on the roster that they can kind of look to and say, okay, we'll start playing the young guys and start developing them. And they don't even have those guys because they traded all their picks to kind of make up for past mistakes. And it's hard to really build a future where you're constantly trying to plug up holes that you've made for yourself in the past and taken away from your future to do that. So I think it's you know an issue that they created for themselves, and now they kind of have to live with what they've done to this franchise. Right. It's kind of like the seven-year itch. When you get to this point in your career, I think LeBron did the same thing leaving Cleveland, and he gave mm-hmm. the, you know, the front office quite a long time to try and figure some stuff out, get some right players in here. You know, Eric Gordon could have been that guy, but he was injured so much. And again, I don't know if you blame the front office for that, but certainly, you know, you have to be able to ascertain, you know, players who would be healthy. Like I look at Miritich, for instance, who was a guy that did really help them when Boogie went down. In fact, that team was probably better without two big men in the lineup, and they went on that run to the playoffs. But if you look at Miritich's history, for instance, like he's he's been injured a lot in his career, and he's injured again this year. It doesn't seem to be a surprise, and so that seems to be another weakness of their of the front office is the inability to to um, understand that that issue is if it might happen again with uh, other players and or their training staff isn't isn't good enough to keep them on the floor either. So let me ask you this real quick because again you, you mentioned a whole lot of things in there. Certainly the players that let, they got to walk uh, without any uh, any compensation back. I mean they actually went. Uh, they didn't have a first rounder from 2014, 15, 17, and 18. Uh, that's another big thing. Now they got Drew Holiday back for one of them, and um, who else did they get back for the other one? Now that I'm looking at this, um, do you know what? Oh, Omar Ashik. Oh, Omar Ashik. Omar Ashik was one of the old picks. And they actually uh, they actually traded a pick to get Omer Ashik, and then they traded a pick to get rid of Omer Ashik, which is pretty ironic, uh, to get Nikola Miritich. And they also draft one of those draft picks that they actually went through and made was Buddy Hield, but then they ended up flipping Buddy Hield with a future pick to get Demarcus Cousins. Right. So pretty much they haven't they haven't had a, a first round pick on the roster for an entire season, pretty much since drafting Anthony Davis, I believe, was the last guy. Right, so they have nothing really in return for giving up all those first rounders. Drew Holiday is the one, and that's a good. That's good, but you know the clock is right twice a day, so a broken clock is right twice a day. So, at any rate, uh, yeah. So I think that's that might be what we're talking about because let's face it. I mean, Anthony Davis might be. You know, I don't. I don't know if he's the best player in a championship team, and I, I don't even know if he would argue with that necessarily for the reasons that you outlined. So is this what it's really about is they need to bring somebody else in who can be a lead guard that can actually create something or maybe a lead, you know, for it doesn't matter what position uh, to compliment him, but maybe he needs to be the one complimenting the other person. Is that what it sounds like? Yeah, I don't know if I necessarily agree with you on that one. I think AED as the best player on your team, I think, can contend for a title, but I think 
he's not necessarily the, the lead voice on your roster, which I guess you can kind of contend, you know, uh, how can you be the best player if you're not the voice on your team? But I, I just think that that's something that they tried to make work this year uh, after Rondo left, because I think Rondo was the guy on that team last year, especially after DeMarcus Cousins went down, where he was the voice in that locker room. He was the captain. When things were going wrong, they all looked to Rondo to kind of say, hey, he was going to be the guy to kind of walk them through some of the rough patches just because he's been there and done that in so many playoff battles. And I think with AD, he's just as great a player as he is. He's just not that guy as far as speaking up in the locker room, holding guys accountable, uh, the kind of things you would expect from the leader of a team the way we see LeBron do has done for his career. or We see even the Kevin Durant do, do at times. I think that's just something that's not necessarily in his nature. And I don't know if that's necessarily a knock to say he's not a, a loud, boisterous guy in the locker room who's going to push people. I think you can be the best player on the team without that, but I think that's something that has hurt him in the past in the world just because they haven't surrounded him with other, you know, leader-type guys to kind of make up for that. And I think Drew Holiday is another guy where he's more of a lead-by-example kind of guy. So I think, I think, like I said, you could probably win with AD as your best player, but you would need a Rondo-like voice in the locker room to kind of mm-hmm. hold, hold everybody accountable and make sure people kind of have their heads on straight because going back to your point about AD kind of leaving you wanting sometimes, I think part of that is – just to be honest, I mean, the guy just hasn't been playing with consistent effort night to night, you know, over the past year or so, or whatever reason. Maybe it's just the load that he's carrying. You know, he was one of the top guys in minutes played the past two years. Uh, but I think just consistently, you don't get that same level of effort from him every single night, especially on a defensive end. And that's a, a tough ass when. You know, he he has to be the leader as far as far as his voice in the locker room and his play on the court, and he's not necessarily playing with a hundred percent effort every single night. Okay, interesting. All right, calling him out a little bit for that, um, and maybe that's what it is. I think like maybe he dis- disappears during games for stretches, but again. That it could also go back to the lack of depth and lack of talent they have on their rosters, which affect that directly. He's, I mean, listen, he's not the kind of scorer like a KG who's going to come down, handle the ball, get a pick and roll out top as a drag screen, and then get you shoot the you know shot over somebody, right? He's going to be the guy who's setting the mm-hmm. screen, rolling. He's going to be the guy who's maybe post up and has to wait for the guard to throw it to him. Um, he might even be a guy who spots up on off of you know on the weak side of a pick and roll and gets a swing uh, skip pass for a shot, right? Like that's sort of what he does versus a lot of ISO. I mean, is that fair to say? Yeah, definitely. I think uh, his his post up game has improved a lot during the years. I think early in his career, if you watch some of his old film, you see he struggled a lot against double teams. He would kind of always want to catch the ball on the move. He wasn't necessarily as good catching his stationary and making something happen. I think that's something he's really improved on over the years, and I think he's at an extremely high level now as far as catching his mid-post and kind of making something happen, dealing with double teams, making the correct pass. You see his assist numbers kind of go through the roof this year just because I think that's part of uh, just continuing his his improvement uh, in one-on-one situations, figuring out where double teams are coming and how to take advantage of that. Obviously, being an Elvin Gentry system, the ball movement helps with getting your assists up. But I think uh, just his overall game, I think it's improved a lot. But like we said, he needs a, a lead guard to kind of help him get his shots consistently. And I don't, I don't want to make that sound like a knock. I just think that's just how his game is set up, and I think that's why he fits so well with Rajon Rondo because Rondo is a guy that loves setting up other big men. He and he really relished uh, getting all of those lives for AD and putting him in a best position 
to really succeed. And I think any the, whatever team he goes to next, I think he, uh, the, to get the most out of AD, it would he would have to be around other players that kind of play in those two man two man game type of situations and really put AD in a position to succeed because. When you have that guy next to AD, I think it's damn near impossible to stop him just because he's so good and he he can beat you in so many different ways. But when you have like a, a Ish Smith level point guard next to him, maybe he he doesn't look as good. I agree. I agree. That's definitely reasonable to uh, assume. So it seems like we kind of got a handle on why he wants to go. They haven't put together a good enough roster. They haven't been winning. They're not going to be the playoffs again this year, and that he's given them enough chance. So uh, aside from that, let's go to brass tacks as we finish this is, where is he going to go? Yeah, personally, I, I, I wouldn't trade him before the trade deadline. I, I don't think it really makes any sense to trade him before the th- trade deadline because, one, uh, the Boston Celtics can't get involved uh, until the summer when they can sign Kyrie Irving to a new deal. And, two, we really don't know how this draft lottery is going to play out because I think one potential team that could get involved is the New York Knicks if they end up getting one of these top uh, two or three picks in the draft lottery. If you can – put a, a Zion Williamson on the table in a potential Anthony Davis trade. Now, that's that's very interesting when you compare that to the, the deals that the Celtics or the Lakers are offering. So I think uh, just, just diving headfirst into a Lakers deal before February 7th, I don't think it really makes any sense. But I think personally, at this point, I still look at Boston as the team with the most to offer just because I think if they once they put Tatum on the table, and I, I don't really think uh, anything is going to stop them just because they've been waiting so long to make this Anthony Davis trade happen. I don't think Jason Tatum is going to be the guy standing in the way. But I think once that happens, I don't really see anybody else coming up with a deal as good as that one when you add Tatum plus picks plus, you know, maybe one of those veteran guys that they have. I think that's a a really good haul they can get back for AD. Okay. So you don't think that they're going to try and do uh, Kyrie likes New York and AD goes to New York and they, they team up there and maybe get Jimmy Butler? Yeah, I, I certainly think that's a possibility. I think really anything's possible at this point with AD, but I think uh, it just, I think everything really has to play out perfectly for things to work out with New York, and I don't know if that's necessarily the case ever with the Knicks. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I think at just right now, if you would ask me, just looking at the landscape right now, I would say Boston, but the potential of them, the Knicks getting one of those top two picks, I think can really make things interesting going into the summer. For sure, that's a great point you're making, which is why they're they're you know they're tanking, and there's not that many teams tanking this year, so perhaps that will be an easier uh, path to getting Zion. Just did a video on him, and man, is he impressive! And I suppose yes, that would make it really interesting for the Pelicans because they'll never get a full trade value back for a guy like Anthony Davis anyway. So what's your thoughts on the Lakers then and how that fits in? I mean, we're hearing all sorts of weird stuff happening. And, you know, LeBron obviously is represented by the same, uh, you know, uh, agency as Anthony Davis, which is a new thing that happened this year. So what do you feel about that notion of sending, you know, uh, Ingram and, and Kuzma and, and um, Zubac and a pick or something to, to get AD back? Yeah, I think that's probably number two in my mind is the the best offers that are out there right now. I think that's that'll be a really good haul for AD. Like you said, you're never going to get back enough where you feel like it's an even trade just because AD is so good and he's still so young. But I think getting guys like that under you know rookie deals and, and they've already produced at a pretty high level in the league, I think that's something you can be happy about it from the Pelican standpoint. But I think uh, the one thing that they're really lacking is the just the draft picks. I think what Boston has right now, the really the only pick that the Lakers can offer is their own pick, I believe, at this point, which mm-hmm. won't be that great. So I think right. uh, you you would want to go in. I think the blueprint for any AD deal would be young guy plus pick plus veteran filler. 
I think that pretty much any you know superstar deal kind of looks that way. But I think that's something that they would want as a guy that they can bring in and say, he this is a young guy that's already produced plus a draft pick that we can start building on the future, maybe even more than one draft pick. And I think having young guys like Ingram and Kuzma where – uh, they produce, they don't necessarily have that feeling where people look at them as a potential superstar like a Jason Tatum. So I think that's, that might scare the Pelicans off a little bit, but I think, I think those guys are really talented, and I, think, I don't think you could be angry as a Pelicans fan if you walk away from this with those two guys plus a little bit more. I hear you. I hear you. I agree. I think, I think the answer is they wait, and then they do a deal with the Celtics, who I think would want to do that deal anyway, um, because I'm not sold on what's happening with them this year anyway, and it seems like they need another jolt of uh, something to, to get them over the hump. So, well, well, Will, thank you so much for joining us and breaking this down. Really great, insightful stuff about what's going on with the Pelicans. Yeah, hey, I really appreciate, really appreciate you for having me, man. I would love to come back on. And we have some bonus footage for you, uh, sports fans. Let's bring in Jared Weiss to talk even more about what we think about what might happen with this trade or not trade or Anthony Davis situation. So, Jared, thanks for driving with us today. Oh, I'm, I'm in the car with a beautiful sunset in front of me, just wondering how the Boston is going to completely panic with Anthony Davis gets traded to the Knicks. Okay, so you're thinking that there's, it's a, the Knicks are a real player in the Anthony Davis sweepstakes uh, this year or in the summer? I'd say in the summer more than now. The thing is, if it's if it's now, they can still trade for Zingas. If it's in the summer, that's banking on their draft pick being a top three pick, I guess. So uh, it's it's a, it's a weird one for New York. It's like New York's that one team whose asset quality kind of like stays the same, even though the, the who the asset is changes drastically. Yes. So in theory, they get the number one pick because they're tanking, and that all of a sudden changes the tables because I would I would have no doubt the New Orleans Port Pelicans would love to replace Anthony Davis with a guy like Zion Williamson, who is, a, is an amazing talent. They they could you know at least have something exciting to build around uh, on that end. So that is interesting. Now I was just musing that hey, why don't they go all out and then they're going to get um, Anthony Davis. And they'll get Kyrie Irving, who hasn't signed as an extension with the Boston Celtics. And then they'll throw in Jimmy Butler as a free agent and uh, team him up with KP and uh, make a run at it. What do you think? Well, I, what about Kevin Durant instead of Jimmy Butler? I mean, either way, I think oh. it's, a, it's a pretty good plan. But KD's the guy that they're targeting. KD's the guy that seems like he's very much considering parting ways with Golden State. So I think that their, their ideas are putting KD, AD, and Kai together, and you know if they can keep. I, I don't can't remember if they can keep KP or if they have to renounce this cap hold to be able to even bring those guys in. But either way, just a big three of those three players would be. You know, that, if, if Durant's leaving Golden State, that may make them the best team in the NBA at that point. Wait, so but so I'm in, you're envisioning Kevin Durant, uh, Anthony Davis, and Kristaps Porzingis in the same team. No, it's Kyrie Irving instead of Kristaps. Oh, so Kyrie's the guy they want to bring in. Okay, yeah. But by the way, I'm not against the other. what I just described either because uh, that sure. would be a, 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 I don't know. That would be a crazy front court. I don't know what team would get any of the rebounds at that point, right? <laughs> that's totally true. And, I mean, New York just wants to have a team that's competitive and they can sell their players on. So I think New York's willing to – they're not going to be like this isn't quite enough for us. Like they're going to go. They're going to be like if we can get a hallmark player that's going to put us in the playoffs. That's what we're really going for. And I, you know, it depends how much ownership is going to meddle with their plan. But I, I think Steve Mills that's been his mo for a while now, and Scott Perry is 
you know, I, I don't know what he's going to, you know, what his level of influence will be in this decision, but if they can put two of those guys together, that's probably enough to keep the Knicks ownership happy. Right. And I, so, I, also, I don't have any faith in them that they're going to be able to pull off the, 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 tri, the trifecta here on this one. Uh, if that happened, what would happen? Would there be blood splattered in the walls of the Boston Celtics front office uh, once that it's announced that he goes to the Knicks? <laughs> Uh, yeah, they, they would probably lose their minds. I mean, they're, uh, they, I've been saying for probably two to two and a half years, maybe three years now, that they're going to, they're pretty much going to angle their development to try to get Anthony Davis. And now this is the moment. And to see so many of their assets kind of depreciating or not really lining up to what they hope for it to be. And the Knicks of all teams could possibly have that draft pick that lands them. Yeah, that would be infuriating. But there's a lot of other competitors. I think the bottom line is, you know, unless the Celtics are going to throw literally into it, it's going to be hard to beat a package of Zion Williamson and then another really good prospect like Kevin Knox or Chris Asperzingis if it happens this week. It's, it's really hard to compete with that. But right now, I don't think they can think of it as we, we're getting Zion if we trade for that next pick. There's a lot of variability that can happen. For sure. Well, what do you think ultimately is the reason why they're coming out wanting to leave, A, and then B, why today of all days? I think today is that it's the start of the two-week period leading up to the trade deadline, so it gives enough time for the trade environment to build up and negotiations to happen over this two-week period before the trade deadline happens because AD would prefer to get traded to the Lakers now. I think this is sim- simply just angling to try to get into the Lakers because if new- right now they're not bidding against Boston. Right now, L.A. probably has the best package to offer, and then that changes when you get to the offseason where there's one, the team with the number one pick can go to New Orleans and say, give us AD, which as much as I love Zion, you're hoping Zion becomes as good as AD. AD's only 25. You can lock him up to a five-year deal now if, you, if you're confident in that. Seems like a no-brainer to trade them the number one pick for him. So New Orleans can have the certainty of trading for the number one pick or even like the number two pick, or they, they're just going to be able to get Boston's package, which is the, probably a better prospect package than what the Lakers can offer. Right, and it, and it sounds like there's nothing that Anthony Davis can do to carry on or sit out or whatever to force the Pelicans to make that trade to the Lakers this this season before the trade the trade the trade the, the, before the trade deadline. Right? I mean, there's just no way they're going to do that. The Pelicans, um, if they if they're satisfied with the Lakers' offer, I could see them doing it. If the Lakers offer all four of their prospects and a couple first round picks off to the future. I could see it or work a three-way deal somehow that makes it work for them. I, I could see New Orleans going for it, but I don't think that package is going to change in the offseason. I think it's right. they're still going to be looking at pretty much the same option. So why it doesn't, it doesn't make sense to wait for that. I just think that the, the market will be way more rich and fruitful. There will be more bidders. There will be more certainty of draft pick, which is, I think, the biggest variable for them, frankly. Because New Orleans, they, they shouldn't be looking to acquire multiple guys that can build a team around. They should be looking to acquire that one star that allows them to fill the seats, that allows them to have certainty and security in keeping the team in New Orleans. Because their issue has been they have it, they struggle to get people in the seats, even with Anthony Davis there, which is so you know incomprehensible. But they need to guarantee themselves that elite, elite player. And if they're giving up one, you've got to do whatever you can to secure another player of that caliber. And you're probably not going to be able to find one again unless you luck out and win the lottery in the future while you're tanking. So try to maximize that opportunity now. 
Well, fair enough. Well, we got a little bit of lottery winning uh, by having you join the show for a few minutes at the end here to give some more insight. So thank you so much for doing that for us. I appreciate it, Jared. Nick, you flatter me way too much. <laughs> well, listen, I want you to come back on the show next week. I'll think about it. I'll think about it. All right, great. Well, drive safe. Thanks for all doing that. And uh, don't forget, sports fans, at B-Ball Breakdown, we're not a channel. We're a conversation. You win. Are you in, Jared? I'm in my car. <laughs>